Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All right, well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here, and I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about a significant moment in the life of our church that is happening today. We're a young enough church that we still get to experience firsts, and today's an exciting first, and I'm excited to lead you into it. In 1923, 100 years ago, a man named Donald Fairley, you ever heard of him? He, uh, he was swimming with friends, and there was a, a, a young lady that was swimming with them, and she got caught underneath a log, and Donald was the only one that noticed, and after 15 seconds or so, he began to say, hey, I think we're missing somebody, and he, he began to tell everybody that somebody had gone under the log, and he eventually swam down underneath the log and brushed up against her. And because she was panicking, grabbed onto him, and he kneed her in the stomach, like you're supposed to. And she let go, and then he dragged her all the way to the shore and performed CPR on her for eight minutes. Her name was Dorothy. And after eight minutes, she coughed, and after a few more minutes, she could breathe again. And everybody celebrated. And do you know what happened next? They got married. Donald and Dorothy got married. Talk about an epic first date. I mean, Donald is never going to be able to top that. Donald lived in Alaska as a, as a kid. He was a Christian. Uh, one day he was sitting in church. I think he was a teenager. And uh, Pastor Charles Dunham was preaching. You ever heard of him? I hadn't either. And he asked a question at the end of his sermon about Jesus. He said, is anybody here willing to go anywhere or do anything to tell someone about Jesus who otherwise will have no chance in their life to hear about him. And that day, that question pierced Donald's heart and Dorothy the same. And they eventually, like I said, got married, but they could never shake this call to be missionaries to places where people would otherwise not be able to hear about Jesus in their lifetime. So they decided to become missionaries in their early 20s. They moved to New York for Bible college. They went over for dessert to one of the professor's houses. His name was Dr. Sneed. You ever heard of him? He, uh, he, he, Dr. Sneed got out this, this giant world map and he put it on the ground. And he began to point to places where there was virtually no Christian mission work that had ever been done. Places where you could go and knock on 10,000 doors and no one would say, yes, I've heard of this person, Jesus. They haven't heard anything about him. Unreached people groups is what he called them. Uh, Dr. Sneed went into the kitchen to get something and when he came back, Donald and Dorothy had both gotten on their knees and they were praying while they were on the map. And Dr. Sneed let him finish, and they said amen, and he said, well, so it looks like you guys are interested in Africa, because that's where Donald and Dorothy's knees had made these imprints in the map, and so Donald said, well, tell us a little bit more about Africa, 
and he pointed to an area in the country of Gabon in the southern region where there had been no Christian mission work ever. And Donald and Dorothy said, well, then I guess that's where we're supposed to go. That's where we'll go. So they moved to France. They had four kids at the time. They were going to have a fifth child eventually. They moved their whole family to France. Donald and some of his friends from the French learning school in France decided to take kind of a a vision trip, if you will, a three-month trip via steamer down to Gabon. They they were only in the country for 55 days, so a three-month trip on either end is, you know, 15 or 20 days of travel on either side. They get down and they arrive at Port Gentil. And after they get to Port Gentil, they've got to take a four or five day boat ride down the river to the area of the country where Donald and Dorothy felt like they were supposed to go take the good news of Jesus. They met with Chief Kengele. You ever heard of him? Chief Kengele, you got to hear about this guy. He is the chief that represents 28 other local village chiefs, he is their spokesperson. And he says, hey, the last time somebody came around here with news to share, they didn't want to learn our language. They just wanted to tell us about what they knew. Well, they're not here anymore. What's your plan? And he said, we want to learn your language. We want to learn about your life. We want to tell you about something that could change it. And Chief Ken Gele served them goat. You know what this means, right? You might think that's punishment, but it's actually a delicacy. He, he pulled out all the stops and said, welcome to our area. This is in 1931. They discovered a group of people that was steeped in animism. Every village had somebody called an nganga, which is another word for a witch doctor, that would sell fetishes, dried you know, pieces of animal skin or teeth or, or herbs that would guarantee to heal you if you were sick, protection from all the evil spirits. It was a, 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 a just witchcraft and animism for centuries. Nobody had ever heard about Jesus in this place. Certain groups of people in this particular area were cannibals. They had sharpened their teeth where all their front top teeth were all pointed. And that's how you would recognize them. They battled flies, ants, buffaloes, hippos, snakes, animals, malaria, storms. They would wade through swamps only to get out on the other side and be covered in leeches. This is the the deepest rainforest you could ever imagine. They finally arrive at a place called the Luetzi River. And they hear a crashing, and it's an 80-foot wide waterfall in the southern area of Gabon. And and people had, had... you know, kind of set up their villages around this waterfall. And Donald, to the Nzebi people that lived near the waterfall of the Luetzi River, began to tell them about the good news of Jesus. And they had never heard about the good news of Jesus, and the people begged him to stay. And he said, I have a wife, I have four kids, I've got to go get them. And they said, in how many moons will you return? In one moon? In two moons? He said, no, in 12 moons. A year from now, I'll be back. And and Donald left. I can't imagine he didn't have second thoughts bringing his four, maybe five children back into this place that he had been. But he knew that if he didn't come back, the trust that would have been broken between the white man, the missionary, in this new place maybe would never be repaired. 
Certainly not in his lifetime. And so he goes back and gets Dorothy and their four children, and they move to South Gabon, Africa. This place, listen to, listen to where they lived. They lived four or five days journey from the, from the nearest hospital. So as one of their kids gets sick, they had to build their own houses. They had to grow their own food. There were witch doctors in every local village trying to turn the people away from them. Remember, a lot of these people are cannibals. They built coffins and kept them in their attics because it was so likely that someone would die and need one. The area was nicknamed the white man's graveyard because of the hostility and the diseases and the weather. They would work all day on their house or with people or in their gardens and then they would spend all night by lantern translating the Bible into a language that they were just learning, the Nzebi language. They had no health insurance. They had no I-9 soccer leagues. There were no pumpkin patches. There were no preschools. There were no trunk or treats. And the list goes on and on. I could name a hundred things, a thousand things. The sacrifice that was made to go to a place where you could knock on 10,000 doors and say, have you ever heard of Jesus? And the answer 10,000 times would be no. They began to share the good news of Jesus with the Nzebi people in 1933. There were 243,000 of them. And one by one, they began to put their faith in Jesus. They said, it, it, we're not going to settle for this Jesus plus religion. We're going to make these people make a real decision to follow Jesus. So if they want to do it, we're actually going to have them take these fetishes, these little trinkets that they have that represents their faith in these mystic, animistic gods. We're going to have them burn their fetishes. And we're going to make every one of them be baptized publicly in front of their families so that there's no question these are Jesus followers. And one by one by one, they begin to put their faith in Jesus. They were able to read the Bible in their own language because they translated it. And then they began to start these small churches in the different villages. By 1956, so 17 years later, 22 other missionaries had joined them because Donald and Dorothy had pioneered this area. They started a Bible school. There were then seven churches and 5,000 people would attend church in these seven churches. 1,000 people went to the church that Donald and Dorothy had started 17 years prior. Remember, this all started in 1923, 100 years ago from today. Donald Fairley. See, now you heard about him. It'd be hard to forget his name, certainly his story. And it all came down to Pastor Dunham. Is anybody here willing to go anywhere, to do anything, to tell somebody about Jesus who otherwise in their lifetime will not get the chance to hear about him? And Donald Fairley said yes. And the reason why Donald Fairley said yes is because at the core of his being, deep inside of his heart, he really believed that it was that Romans 10, 8 and 9 were true. They, they weren't an idea or a concept, but they were true. He believed that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved that heaven waits for those that put their faith in Jesus. 
For it is with their heart, your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Verse 13, everyone, including the people in southern Gabon who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He believed this. He couldn't shake this. He couldn't, out of one side of his mouth, say he believed it and then not go and live it out. He couldn't do that. He had more integrity than that. He had to be the one that said, I will go. I'm not going to look around and wait for somebody else to do it. I will be the one to go. When when Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, he lived. You might know this story. He died. He rose again. And 40 days after his resurrection, after showing himself to over 500 people, he ascended into heaven. It's recorded in the Bible in numerous places. And, and what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven is written down. Of course he knew it would be written down. They were his last words. And so he chose them carefully. And this is what Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven. He said, therefore, go. Christians, disciples, go. And make disciples of all nations. Not just Jews, not just Americans, of Gabonese people. And people from the Philippines and people from Mexico and from Argentina and from Papua New Guinea go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, Jesus is saying, guys, it's been a good run while I've been here. We have seen some unbelievable things, haven't we? But now I'm putting this news in your hands. I'm leaving. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Now go. Don't, don't take this as this like suggestion. This is the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Donald and Dorothy, they said, why not us? And they said, yes, we will. So in the 1970s, they moved out just from southern Gabon into all of Gabon. And since then, now, there's a church in the capital city of all nine provinces of Gabon. There's virtually a church, a Christian church, in every village in Gabon. It has 2.2 million people in it. The national church is now running the whole thing. There's no American missionaries that are there helping run the church. They're doing it. In fact, they're running their own Bible school. In fact, they've sent missionaries to five other African countries because they too are going and making disciples of all nations. They're going to Mali and they're going to Botswana and they're going to Congo and they're saying, have you heard about this Jesus guy? They built a hospital. It serves thousands and thousands and thousands of people each year who would have no health care otherwise. And every person that comes through the hospital, they share the news of Jesus. And thousands of people have put their faith in Jesus in that place. Today, through just the churches that Donald Fairley, kind of his network of churches, this isn't all Christian churches. There are other Christian denominations in Gabon now. But just in the churches that Donald Fairley planted, 50,000 Christians are worshiping Jesus today in Gabon. Because he said yes 100 years ago. Donald Fairley's been dead for decades. 
His wife passed away in the 80s. They don't even know. Seventy percent. Listen to this. Two hundred forty-three thousand Zebi people. That's where they, that's who they went to share the gospel with, right? A hundred years ago. Today, seventy percent of Zebi people claim Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Because they said yes. They said this is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. Why not us? And so you hear, you hear a story about that, and you just, you, how, can you not, how can you not ponder the question, how am I going to respond to something like this? How, how am I going to participate in something like this? I am, I am so excited today to get to do our first. Uh, we have our own Donald and Dorothy in the house. Uh, their names are Trevor and Madeline. And they are going to come up here now. So would you guys give it up for Trevor and Madeline? I, uh, for some security reasons, we're going to, I'm going to refer to them just as Trevor and Madeline. I'm not going to say their last name anymore. I already said it once. I think, Brandon, you caught that, right? Got it. <laughs> Delete. All right. Um, the... Uh, and then we're going to use some vague terms as it relates to where they're going and some of the people that they're going to serve. And if you would not take a picture of their face and post it online anywhere to associate this story or their mission with what they're doing, that would be great um, just for some security reasons. So did I cover that? Yeah, okay. That's great. Perfect. So here we are with T and M. No, I'm just kidding. Trevor and Madeline, uh, our very own Donald and Dorothy. How in the world did we end up here, and how did you guys decide to take this step? I guess I didn't even say what you're doing, so you can do that. <laughs> uh, I will start with saying Joel and I definitely planned on being twins for costume day <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> just want to address that, though. We're dressed exactly the same. Uh, yeah, so uh, we are moving to Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, and like Joel said, we're keeping it broad just for the sake of this being um, posted on the internet, but we are obviously happy to discuss further details with everyone face-to-face. -face. But yeah, so we're moving to Southeast Asia in March, so uh, five? Less than five months. Yeah, so coming up. Um, and yeah, we are, well, let me jump back to how we got here. I love... Um, just how you said, like, it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. And so one thing even in our, like, before we got married, what was, like, we felt strongly in our souls was this is a call that we need to be obedient to. And um, so, I mean, since, uh, I would say we can call it college for both of us, um, before we ever knew each other, we believed in mission work, we believed in responding to that call, and that looked like, um, you know, pursuing obedience to that as we felt the Lord call us to. So at times it was short-term trips, at times it was um, moving places for a short period of time. I lived in Kenya for um, nine months, South Sudan for a month, and Turkey for a few months, and like pursuing um, further clarity on God, what does obedience to this 
look like? And it was kind of an ever-changing um, answer to that, to that question. Yeah, I feel like the only thing I would add is that we are incredibly normal people. Um, it's not like we had this, I think a misconception is that God like audibly spoke to there was, us. Yeah, there was no voice from heaven that was like, Trevor and Madeline, you're going to go do this thing. Yeah, um, which would be great if it did. <laughs> um, but for us, like Trevor said, it was, you know, we're really normal people who want to be like incredibly obedient to God. And as we like read his word for a while, obedience for us did look like going short term and praying and giving. Um, and then as we like continued to wrestle, there came a point where for us it was no longer obedient to only do those things, um, but to like take up an active going role. Yeah, and I will say um, it's very, I, I don't want to come off that we were just like one day we prayed and the next day we woke up and it was like, oh yeah, we should do this thing. Uh, it was years, I mean, through our whole marriage, we were praying, God, what does this look like for us? Um, and keeping that really open-ended, and there even got to a point where I felt God was calling us to go, and Madeline said, no, he, he's not. And, <laughs> um, and so we're talking like years of wrestle, like true wrestling with God, are we called to go, or do you want us here, or do you want us to wait till later? Like, what do you want us to do? And it was a very long time of like really being honest and open with ourselves about what's fear and what is disobedience and what does God want us to do in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe share with us, where are you going and what led you to make that decision? Why there? Yeah. So we're moving to Southeast Asia and particularly there's um, a valley on an island in a country. We can tell you later where that is. Um, and this valley is home to 400,000 people, and there aren't any known believers. So when you share about, um, like, these areas in Gabon back in 1923 that no one knows who Christ is, um, they still exist. And, in fact, like, unreached people make up over 3 billion people in our world. So that's three billion people who will never know who Jesus is unless someone tells them um, because they live in these really remote places. So we're moving to an area in Southeast Asia. Um, similarly, it is unreached because it's very remote. It's about two, plane, two days worth of plane rides and then topped off with a nine hour drive to, yeah, through the jungle to this town. Um, and we but you don't have to ride a steamboat there. No, no steamboat. No, when you said, honestly, when you were talking about uh, Donald, I was like, I, I kind of feel like a chump a little bit. This, <laughs> man's, this man's really doing it. Uh, like, we got to ride coach over there. Yeah, so. we got to ride in the air conditioning. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so where we're going is definitely really far away. Um, but I would be burdened if I did not say, um, like, there are unreached people everywhere um and even i mean even around columbus um there are plenty of groups of people who are have relocated from areas where they would never ever ever interact with the gospel and they live in these smaller circles that they today don't have the opportunity even though they're in gehanna don't have the opportunity to interact with the gospel so you honestly you don't have to go very far um and 
yeah, we, as we were trying and praying and talking through, okay, where we feel like God's calling us to go, how do, how do we know where to go? Um, as we, like, we're working through that, it's, it's honestly, it solidified the call so much more because there are unreached people groups all over the globe, like they're everywhere. And so um, for us, we felt very led to this place. There's only, um, there's only four missionaries working there. Um, and again, there's 400,000 people in this valley, um, zero believers, and they will not interact with a Christian unless they interact with one of those four people. Um, so we are going to join them in their efforts to reach that people group. Um, yeah. Yeah. So practically speaking, you're going to get there. What will ministry look like? What will you guys actually be doing? Um, first things first, we have to learn the language. Um, that's like the biggest part of the type of ministry that we're doing is like relational um, evangelism, which is very similar to how we do it here in the States, um, just in a different context. So the first two years of our time there will be strictly learning language and then as we learn language we're building relationships with people that we've met in the community um building those relationships of trust plugging in um starting to like study scripture with people who have a spiritual interest um to like look beyond their current um like faith practices which is islam um and then continuing to share our faith through that process yeah honestly it is basically just picking up a missional life here and planting it. So it looks, it's not like we aren't gonna be preaching on street corners at a mega, like it's not some glorious uh, thing that you need to be like super skilled. It's living life intentionally, building relationship. I mean, it's basically the same thing we do here, just there's no church there, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the hope is that, you know, as people come to faith over time, that there would be a thriving church that would multiply throughout um, the valley there. So that there, you know, is one less unreached people group and one more like group of people represented in eternity. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> I, we just want to know, like, you know, as a church family, we can talk about the logistics. This is obviously a really big deal. Morgan and I have just been so honored to get to be a part of this. My daughter has talked about wanting to be a missionary because of you. And so I kind of can't put into words how I feel about this, but would you just share with us how you're feeling about this? Uh, of course you tapped me with that. Um, man, it has been such a journey of emotions because... You know, obviously, at first, we're looking at this place um, uh, that's real. I mean, it's not a two-month steamboat right away, but it's really far away. Um, and, like, we're nine hours away from, like, decent health care. Not even something that I would, like, want to have something done at, but, like, decent health care is nine hours away. Um, and there's a lot of fear associated with that, but it's been so cool and so encouraging, um, I think about uh, the verse in Philippians that says that God will give us a peace that surpasses understanding. And um, it wasn't like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, let's just say yes anyways. It was, I'm going to say yes even though I'm really scared. And the peace 
comes after that yes every single time. So every single thing that we've like really wrestled with and has really scared us and really like made us nervous and sometimes second guess like are we are we sure we're doing this? And we say yes anyways, God gives us such great peace. Um, I will say as it's getting closer, um, it's just getting a little bit harder because <laughs> there's a baby in there and uh, we <laughs> we have they have grandparents and cousins and family and church friends and babies in this church that we want them to grow up with and even like standing here singing worship and thinking well, we don't get to do that for that much longer so there's a lot of uh, really hard emotions that we're processing through that is like it's I mean it's it's sad I'm not going to say there's no grief because um, there definitely is but I think overall I would say we are we're so excited like we really believe God is in this and he's pulling us to this we've had tons of conversation with a lot of people in this room about what we're doing and the resounding um thing in our heads is that God is in this, God is behind this, and like God is going before us and with us, and it's going to be, it's going to be really hard, but it's going to be really amazing. Yeah. And I'm, personally, I'm so encouraged just hearing that story about Gabon, and like I, I know, like right now there are zero percent of our people group represented in eternity, and one day, whether we see it in our lifetime or not, they will be there as long as we keep being obedient. Yeah. What do you hope we experience or learn as the sending church? You guys have thought about this. What do you hope we get out of this? We're not going. At least we're not going to come visit yet. Or maybe maybe we are going to come. I don't know. <laughs> Morgan, we'll have to talk about that. But um, <laughs> what do you hope we get today? and from this experience of sending you? Um, I think something that's really exciting for us, and I hope it doesn't come off that we're like just so excited about everything, which we are, but there's a lot of emotions, but we are really excited, and something that was super important for us is being sent by this church specifically. Um, we are gonna try not to cry, but I like love this church, and we feel so like supported and cared for, and for us, it's um, it's just really encouraging to see, like, the future of, like, Three Creeks and global impact and just, like, a focus and a heart for people around the world who don't know Jesus um, and seeing how that can, like, really be, like, just such a foundation of our church and to see people that we, like, know and love, like, really live that out and, like, take it seriously. Um even more than they might already be doing. Yeah. Um, I think, like, I, you know, it's like, what do we hope people get from today? Uh, I, I think, like, if I could say anything to this group of people, it would be that we are not special in any type of, we are not some extravagantly gifted couple. We are simply couple who is desiring to be obedient and I hope that that is contagious and that um, 
everyone in this room would really wrestle with, okay, God has said to go to the ends of the earth. And I'm not saying that you have to sell everything and move, but we are all supposed to play a part in this. So um, I would just be so encouraged if um, Three Creeks even more so moving forward, like really wrestling on a personal level with what is my part in this great commission. Um, and we really just saw um, this little church in Gehenna like go after the nations with a lot of aggression. Yeah. I have a couple ideas um, that I'm going to share here in a second of ways that we can help you and support you. But what, how would you answer that? What, what would be the best way for us to support you this week, the next five months, as you guys prepare to go? I hope this doesn't come off very Christianese, but prayer, that would be the most um, important and like practical thing that I think um, the people in this room could do for us now, the next five months, and as we go. I think there's so many things that still have to like line up for us to leave as far as visas being processed and a new passport for the baby and health of our child when they're born um, and, you know, health of our marriage and just good time with family that we don't get to see very often um, as we prepare to go. And so those are just like, as it comes to your mind and as you think through um, us and our like transition to leave, that would be like such a blessing to us is like having people who are intentionally praying for us before we even go. Yeah. And I will couple like that is definitely not just us saying it because we should no. say it. Uh, like with working with a people who they have just like the team that we're joining are the first missionaries ever to go there. And that was 13 years ago. So the gospel is still very new to this group and it's not going to take root without prayer, like true laboring and prayer. So that is definitely the biggest thing. Um, I will say one, this, um, I feel like this would get, um, like brushed over, could get brushed over pretty quickly, but especially when we're there, like communication, I, I think our biggest fear is being isolated. Um, we're going to know four people that speak our language, um, and believe the same thing we do. And so, uh, we will, we'll be sending out a newsletter and, um, stuff like that, we would love, 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 love to hear from people and not even some like hyper-spiritual thing, but like what is going on in your life? How can we pray for our community here? Because I think that would make us feel so connected still and like we're still a part of this church. Um, and then... Um, and even a part of our like cadence and going is that we'll be on the field for two years and then we'll come back on home assignment for anywhere from four to six months and then depart again for another two years. And so the reality is like our church is going to look so different in two years when we come back. And so being able to still like feel like we're connected with people here is going to be so important because we're also going to have needs when we return and whether that's emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever they are. We won't have a car or a house <laughs> yeah. or a bed or We'll be homeless. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be important for us to continue to, like, be invested in lives here. And we see that as, like, a very significant part of our, like, ministry, even as we're overseas, too. Yeah. 
and I definitely don't want this to be like, this is not some, we are not having this series because we need to raise financial support. That's not what this is about whatsoever. But there is a reality that um, throughout time and as our family grows, like we will constantly, like as things go wrong, we are fully supporter funded. So especially in the future moving forward, like having people who feel like, yeah, I wanna invest in this, um, we would love that support as well, but I very much want that to be like, I just wanted to mention it. I don't even want it to be like the main takeaway from this. And then there's gonna be a Venmo QR code. Yeah, my week. personal Venmo is gonna be up there. <laughs> cool, all right. Uh, let me just talk with us for a second. This is our chance as a church to do this and we get one chance to do it the first time. And I want our church to be the best missionary sending church in the world. I cannot do that if you don't want that with me. Like, we need to feel the importance of this together. Because, you know, if, if, you've, if you've been around Three Creeks for uh, an amount of time any amount of time, really, you've probably interacted with Trevor and Madeline. Trevor and Madeline have both served as volunteer directors over different areas of our ministry. They've been here for years. You met here, didn't you? Yeah, you met here. You got married here. So they're, they've just been such a key part of this. And if Trevor wouldn't tear it down, I would probably have a bust manufactured and we would like put it out in the courtyard. That's how proud I am of this. You want to be our second missionary couple we will make a bust of you like I want to be the best sending church ever and and the reason why is because when you are called into the family of God when your sins are forgiven and you put your faith in Jesus Christ when you're called into the family of God you are simultaneously called into the mission of God they cannot be separated you cannot receive the good news and say, nah, not, my, not really my deal to share it. They do not work together. We are simultaneously called into the family and the mission of God. To be obedient to Jesus is to play a part in taking the name of Jesus to places that have never heard about it. Now, how that looks can be different, for sure. Let me, let me offer a couple thoughts. So the first one, I want to reiterate what Madeline said, is that we can pray for them. And, and, it, and I, man, I'm guilty often of saying, going to pray for you, and then I forget to pray for them that we can't be that kind of church that says, going to pray for you, and then we forget. So I printed off a bunch of these. It's a picture of Trevor and Madeline. I want you to put this somewhere where you see it every day. Mine's going to go right above where I get my water out of my refrigerator, and I'm going to pray for you guys every time I see it. So it's going to go there. All right. We're definitely called to pray for them. We're going to pray for them in a minute together. Also Wednesday night. Can you throw that up there because I forget the details? Wednesday night at 6.30, if you text Global Prayer to 97,000, it'll send you, I think, the address and where we're meeting and that sort of thing. Would love to see some people come out to pray over Trevor and Madeline and some other places in the world that need Jesus. Many of you have already met with them and you're supporting them financially. Some of you need to start doing that at Three Creeks. We want to cheer you on in that. If you have an interest in meeting with them, then you can send them an email. You can set up a meeting with them. You could also just send them 
a letter, an email, a note that you write this afternoon to say, thank you. I'll tell you right now, on Christmas Eve Eve, so December 23rd, it's kind of our church's tradition to do a special offering. We do it once a year. One special offering a year at our church, Christmas Eve Eve, we are going to take an offering to help them move there. So they're busy raising these like ongoing costs of their salary and for food and their house and that kind of thing, but it's, it's, it is a chunk of change to get there. And we are going to take an offering. And so between right now and then, you've got seven or eight weeks. I want to ask you, would you consider sacrificing something? Between, between right now and then. And every time you don't do whatever that is, you pray for them. And then you just kind of put that aside. And on Christmas Eve Eve, I'm just, I'm not going to surprise you with it then i'm telling you it's coming we are going to take an offering to get them there to take the gospel to 400,000 people maybe you're called to follow them or to go somewhere else i don't know we're gonna um we're gonna have a more serious conversation about that next sunday and this is why this is why we're having the conversation because of the the two verses that i can read earlier How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one who they've not heard about? How will they hear about it without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach? How can you guys go unless you are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You have beautiful feet. <laughs> Listen, a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, there were no Christians among the Nzebi people. Donald and Dorothy said yes. And everything has changed. The party in heaven where the Nzebi people are, if you met these people, I've seen them. The party is crazy. Uh, Donald's the kind of guy, I feel like he's DJing. He's just got, a, got, got that personality. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are in heaven celebrating the work of Christ on their behalf. And today there are no known believers among the people that Trevor and Madeline are going to go serve. And a hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, who knows what God will do? Everything could change. And the, the party among that group of people in heaven, what will it be like? A lot comes down to whether or not we're going to be obedient. We are cheering you on. We're going to pray for you. I'm not just saying that. I'm going to just bring this up all the time. We're going to FaceTime you. Probably can't live. We can't do that, can we? Yes, we can. We'll figure it out. It'll be like 2 in the morning. <laughs> there, there's, there's one final like um, maybe temptation to hear this today and go wow great story Donald and Dorothy unbelievable that's pretty cool it hasn't really touched my life though and what I would say is that it has 
because in 1966, when my dad was seven years old, he went to church and he heard a missionary speak and his name was your boy, Donald Fairley. And Donald Fairley came and told my dad as a seven-year-old boy about what God was doing in Gabon. And that was the day that the seed was planted in my dad's heart to be a missionary. And he met my mom. And my mom said, I'm, I'm called to be a missionary too, let's go. And they went to Gabon. And my dad, I, I got to go to Gabon. I moved there when I was four years old. I, I lived there from when I was four until I was 12. And I fell in love with Jesus there. And, and the seed that was planted in me to be in ministry was planted there. And so in some ways, you can actually tie Three Creeks Church and this church starting people finding and following God in Gehenna back to Donald and Dorothy Fairley saying yes in 1923. If you have been helped at all in your spiritual journey through the ministry of our church, you have to point back to people that said yes a hundred years ago as a part of that. And who knows the other places on the planet that the name of Jesus is being proclaimed because somebody said yes a hundred years ago. Who knows? Only God knows. And a hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, who knows? Because you guys said yes. You guys said we'll go. And because we said, we'll send you. Who knows? Only God. Will you guys join me? Let's all stand. We're going to pray for Trevor and Madeline together. By the way, I printed off a bunch of these, and somebody is going to hand you one on your way out today. But I'm going to put Trevor and Madeline right here in the middle. If you would, just as a, as a symbolic way to join me in prayer, I hope this doesn't feel like a weird thing, but if you would just kind of extend a hand as a visible expression of you joining me in prayer. God, we just come before you and we pray for the for Trevor and Madeline, for their family, for their extended family that's here this morning, for their friends. We pray that you would provide for all their needs. The emotional ones, the physical ones, the financial ones, the spiritual ones. Lord, would you use us to do it? We're willing. We'll step into that for sure. We pray for the people in this valley that haven't heard about you yet, that they would be overwhelmed by the love of God. We pray that you would give them endurance, Lord. We pray that you would give us endurance in supporting them. I pray for the person in the room who's supposed to be the next person to go. That today would be a day that they would remember. Father, we praise you for Donald and Dorothy Fairley and the yes 100 years ago and the impact that it's going to have in a valley in Southeast Asia. We pray for Wednesday night that it would be a powerful time of prayer for those that can come. We pray for Christmas Eve Eve and we we pray, God, that you would bring to mind what you want us to sacrifice so that we can give more than we even thought we could to help Trevor and Madeline get there. We pray for a, a healthy baby to be born. 
Lord, there's so much to pray for, but at the end of the day, we've got a lot more to be grateful for. So we're, we're just grateful for them as friends and as brothers and sisters. And we just, we're so grateful to be a part of this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one more time for Trevor and Madeline. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.